This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome to Jason Powell's Pro Wrestling Boom Podcast, a production of ProWrestling.net. Get ready for the latest news, analysis, and interviews featuring big names from the world of pro wrestling. Here comes the boom! Thank you, Paul Allen, radio voice of the woefully mediocre Minnesota Vikings. Check out Paul's Sports Talk radio show at KFAN.com. It's AEW Full Gear Weekend. The show is in my home area, which means I'll be attending my first two AEW shows in person with Friday's Rampage and AEW Full Gear on Saturday. My guest has attended the last two AEW Full Gear shows in person, and he made a trip to Philadelphia for MLW's War Chamber event. Colin McGuire is back to preview Full Gear and to talk about that experience at the War Chamber show. We will give you a warning if you are somebody who wants to avoid spoilers on the War Chamber tapings, uh, so uh, keep that in mind. But uh, we'll start with AEW, and then we'll get to MLW at the end. Even though I'm going to be attending Full Gear, we will still have our usual live review of the event on Saturday night. Jake Barnett is going to have you covered with his live report, and then he and Will Pruitt are going to get together afterward for the .NET members' exclusive audio review. And, in a fun twist, Will is actually going to be watching Full Gear from a movie theater, so he's going to be able to share his thoughts on that experience. Many of you have asked for it. Now you're going to get it. Join me the next two Mondays for Pro Wrestling Boom Live. The show is normally live the Mondays after WWE pay-per-view events. And now enough of you have asked for it. Uh, We will be doing a live edition coming out of an AEW pay-per-view event. So again, I'll be doing that the next two Mondays. Johnny Fairplay usually joins me for the WWE shows. I will see if he's available for this one as well. Your calls are welcome live, but you can also email your questions to .netjason at gmail.com. Spell it out, D-O-T-N-E-T-J-A-S-O-N at gmail.com. Either way, join us live at 3 Central, 4 Eastern, the next two Mondays at pwaudio.net. Pro Wrestling.net members here are exclusive audio reviews of all the weekly television shows and pay-per-view events, and they do so on a special ad-free version of our website. They don't hear any ads during our podcasts. In fact, they won't hear this ad with everything you need to know about becoming a .NET member. If you enjoy the Pro Wrestling Boom podcast and Pro Wrestling audio content, then I know you're going to love becoming a member of the ad-free version of Pro Wrestling.net. 
The members hear the weekly flagship.net weekly audio show with Jake Barnett and I discussing all the news of the week and sometimes including some first-run news items that have not been reported elsewhere. Members also have access to a decade of audio content with interviews and exclusive audio reviews of Raw, SmackDown, NXT, Ring of Honor, Impact Wrestling, and the list goes on. They also hear our audio reviews of all the major WWE, Ring of Honor, and Impact Wrestling pay-per-views and NXT TakeOver specials. Plus, we're adding more New Japan Pro Wrestling audio content for their major shows. Help support ProWrestling.net and the Pro Wrestling Boom podcast by signing up today at PWMembership.net. Back on the boom, and my guest today has attended the last two AEW Full Gear pay-per-view events in person. He is tagging me in for this year's Full Gear, which I will be attending on Saturday. He just attended the MLW War Chamber taping in Philadelphia over the weekend. He writes the McGuire's Monday's blog at ProWrestling.net, and you can also find his reviews of AEW Rampage and New Japan Strong at .net. Call McGuire. Welcome back to the show, sir. It is fantastic to be here and when you list off all those things it's i'm like wow i do those things that's it's odd to hear but yes you should put that on your bio i do that's things. what i'll do yeah that's what i'll do yes well tell me what i can expect from aew full gear after attending these uh, last couple in person i have uh, not been able to attend an aew show before so i'm looking forward to it on that level uh, well the crowd will be hot uh especially for pay-per-views uh, the paper, the AEW pay-per-views I've been to, the crowds are usually pretty great, and that comes across on the broadcast. So I'm, I'm sure you already know that. Uh, you know, the thing I like about going to the pay-per-views rather than the TV tapings, uh, especially, I could say this over the last month or two, attending all the TV tapings I've attended, is you just get the pay-per-view, you know? Like, whatever that card is, that's what you get. There are no dark matches, you know. There's nothing that that kind of eats up time or gets in the way. So I I'm kind of jealous of you for that. Um, as for the card, we don't even know what the full card is yet, right? Pretty close to it. We'll get into that in a little bit. I want to get your predictions on these matches, but I'm also going to Rampage now. You went to a Dynamite and Rampage combo tape, and you decided to split uh, before the Rampage portion, in part because there was a long gap in between where they were kind of setting up uh, everything production-wise for that show. Uh, is it odd that I'm kind of, eh, about Rampage? It doesn't, <laughs> you know, the, the show itself, like the one hour Rampage, you know, you cover it every week. It's it's a fine show. It's everything leading up to it that I'm like, I can't say that I'm excited about sitting through a lot of dark elevation tapings. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be either. Um, and who knows how many matches you're going to get. Without having a dynamite in front of Rampage to tape, I, you could get like 12 dark elevation matches, couldn't you? <laughs> Something like that. Uh, when it comes to Rampage, though, I don't know. Last week's episode, I, I'm pretty sure I, I wrote this for, for the site. I wasn't that impressed with it, uh, if we're honest. I thought it was one of the weaker Rampages in memory, in recent memory. They've only had, what, 13 or 14 of them. But uh, there was something about it that I I don't know. I just I felt it was kind of missing. And the, the issue was that it was live. Like, that was the other thing. That that was one of the few live episodes that they had, and it still kind of lacked something. So that's why, I mean, I don't blame you for being a little nervous about going on Friday. 
it's it's a formulaic thing now. We know what it's going to be. You're going to have a hot hot match um, to start everything off. Then you're going to have something in the middle that's usually shorter, if not a squash. More often than not, it features the women. And then you have your main event, which sometimes delivers and sometimes it doesn't. And usually doesn't feel like a true main event. It's usually the opening match that does. That's very, very true. And and I think they try they try to talk it up as though it is a true main event with the Mark Henry split screen segment interview before uh, before the main event. To me, though, that just pronounces it even more that it's not a main event because what ends up happening, the first match, and I've noticed this, it'll go between 12 to 18 minutes. You'll get that. That's a good, nice, long match. The The main event usually doesn't go beyond 10 to 12 minutes. So you have a better, longer match to open the show and then a main event that falls just a little bit flat. And then something that I think is is sad, that it's a throwaway thing in the middle. Now, last week was a little different because you had the, uh, the, the Punk-Kingston uh, exchange in yeah. the middle, which, you know, that, that was its own beast. And that was great to have. But I don't know. I, I, even, even seeing that, for as good as it was... It feels to me we've established Dynamite as the A show, Rampage as the B show, and for something as good as that was on Rampage, seeing it on Rampage to me takes a little bit of the luster away. Is that am I the only one who thinks like that? What's your opinion? So it wasn't so much that it took the luster away. It was that, I, and maybe it does, but I was just kind of sitting there going, "Okay, you're doing a, a brief build to this, and that's okay. I, I think they accomplished what they needed to. It's." For instance, uh, Jay Moss, one of our .NET members, was asking in Q&A about you know, a very brief build, and he was kind of disappointed, wondering if we were really getting Punk and Kingston before that angle took place. And then coming out of it, in this week's Q&A audio show, he liked what they did enough that he's, he's in for it. Problem is, Dynamite has way more viewers than Rampage on most weeks. Why wouldn't you want that angle on your A-show? Yeah. Let more people see it. I know, I know. You know what they could do? They could rerun the angle. You could say, in case if you missed it, on last Friday's Rampage, and then, but I mean, do you really run a, what was it, like a 15-minute segment? Yeah, I don't yeah, think, I think they will. Really do that. There used to be a time when wrestling would do something like that, though, back in the 80s, maybe? <laughs> yeah, definitely. There was, yeah, it was not uncommon for them just to, I mean, some of it was if you, especially if you're watching the syndicated shows, like, okay, so I'm not going to get Mario Mancini losing to fill in the star wrestler instead of this week. I'll get the actual bigger <laughs> angle. Cool, I'll take it. Uh, <laughs> I guess one of the other things that I'm seeing with AEW right now, and it, it was certainly the case with Rampage on Friday and a little bit with the show coming up tonight as we record this on Wednesday, they are giving matches away on television that I think the diehard fan is going to look forward to more than a casual fan because the diehard fan knows that, hey, these are two good wrestlers. This should be a really good match. How excited is a casual viewer going to be about... Adam Cole against John Silver, for instance. And it's nothing against John Silver, but he's just one of the many faces in the Dark Order. I know they do more with him on being the elite, and don't even get me going on the whole budge thing and why that <laughs> made television. But we're, and even tonight's show, I mean, it's Dax Horwood against Pac. Okay, I, as, a, you know, as a diehard, I can get into that. I, I know that it's going to be a good match. But for the average viewer out there, they may see that and go, 
It's a it's Pac facing a tag wrestler. How excited are the is a casual viewer about Matt Seidel and Lee Moriarty against Dante Martin and Leo Rush? You know, there's just I'm seeing a lot of and Brian Danielson, Rocky Romero. I'm a guy that yeah, I'm looking at that going that should be a hell of a match. But if you're a casual viewer, does that do anything for you other than hey, Brian Danielson's wrestling and oh, he's facing Rocky Romero. Hey gang, it takes a lot of time and effort to produce a show like this, and one way you can support ProWrestling.net is by becoming a member at PWMembership.net. However, there's also an easy and free way to do so. Think of us when you shop at Amazon by simply starting your Amazon shopping at ProWrestling.net slash Amazon. You're not charged any extra, but we receive a small and very helpful commission on what you purchase. A big thanks to everyone who has helped out so far. Remember, that's ProWrestling.net slash Amazon. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Yeah, I don't think so. I, I think that that's been kind of an underlying issue with AEW as a whole. I mean, what what could you do? You you can't put Brian Danielson out there with CM Punk. No, you know. You, I, but you know, when you look, you go down through sort of the upper echelon. Uh, you have you have Danielson, you have Punk, you have Kenny Omega, you have Jericho, you have Moxley, who's out, obviously. Um, I'm I'm sure I'm missing a few that I will be ashamed of, but you have all of these sort of those stars are at the top. But once you get to the middle or even the upper middle, you start to get into those names that that only people who really follow wrestling, you know, beyond a casual fan level can get excited about. So then that puts you at what? Seven, eight, you know, attractions maybe. And you're not going to use them every week. So then what, what, what do you do? And you, you end up with that tag match that, that you just explained uh, that, that you listed. And you end up with Pac versus Dax, which could have been a WWE match five, six years ago. Um, but at this point, I don't really know how you remedy that. And the question becomes, I think the biggest question becomes, what happens when you know you run out of quote-unquote smart fans? You know, like fans who 
who know New Japan and know Rocky Romero and know that history that they train at the LA Dojo together and et cetera, et cetera. And this is going to be really cool. There, you have a ceiling with, with that fan base. The, the, there's only so many of those people. When do you start to transcend into the, into the mainstream? I'm, I don't know, like a Roman Reigns would or like a Hulk Hogan did or something. Does AEW even care about that? I, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's good to, to position yourself as sort of the wrestling show. The people who love wrestling can watch wrestling. But will you be able to get the numbers? Yeah, something Wade Keller's been pretty consistent talking about with AEW. It's the the first million fans. They have them. They need to be doing more to play to that next million fans that they're hoping to attract. Yeah, I I agree. I I, I just also don't quite know how you would do it beyond signing a couple more bigger names. But you you can't really do that either, right? Because they already have a lot of people on that roster. So I, like, like you said, Adam Cole versus John Silver was a fine enough main event, but that main event was only booked because of BTE. <laughs> I mean, really, at the end of the day, I, and I know that you know Dark Order and the Super Click have had their issues on television and blah blah blah, but you know that meant a lot to the what fifty thousand people a week who stream or to hundred thousand I don't know who watch Being the Elite on on YouTube. I mean, when do you reach out to, to find people who, you know, I don't know, just want to tune into a, an entertaining wrestling show because they like superstars? When does that start happening? I'm looking it up as we talk here because I know they do more than what you mentioned. You're, um, so the one from two days ago did 213,000 views. Okay. The one from last... Yeah, I mean, they're in the 240-ish range, it looks like, for a lot of these episodes. Um, and some have actually shot up to 355. The, the tricky part with YouTube, though, is that you are... And you know, and and they do have some staying power. As I scroll down the list, like some of them from a month ago, one did four hundred and forty-eight thousand. So it varies, but I would say the average is probably two forty, like I say, because um, there are some that are lower as well. But it's the problem with YouTube is like if I watch part of this thirty-seven, almost thirty-eight minute edition that they just had from two days ago. Let's say I watch the first 15 minutes, I come back to it later, and I'm logging, you know, if I am if, if I click out of there and then I come back and just speed it up, well, I'm being counted as two views. So mm -hmm. it's it's not, it's a nice number. It's you know, it's impressive. There's a lot of people that do YouTube pages that would kill to have those numbers. But oh, yeah. I, I also, you know, the weird thing is, I think they were doing roughly that average before they were on Dynamite. So oh, I don't be. know how many new people they've truly brought in for this. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, to kind of flip that question on its head, though, you let's say you're Tony Khan. You brought in the former Daniel Bryan, Brian Danielson. You brought in Adam Cole. Two people like Adam Cole was on the other side of the, quote, Wednesday Night Wars forever on NXT and its top guy for the longest time. And Daniel Bryan or Brian Danielson was – easily the biggest fan favorite in the company for for a while what else do you do who else do you bring in to try and reach out to that that other end of the fan base i mean i, I think there are some people from this current cut list the most recent cut list that you could bring in 
I don't I, I don't know that anyone's just screaming, you know, the major star similar to Punk and Danielson and some of the other people they've brought in. I, as I've said, I don't know that Adam Cole. I, I don't put him in that same category. I, mm-hmm. I, and people take that as an insult of Cole, and it's like, no, it's the rarefied air that is Punk and Bryant. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Cole, to me, is a notch below that. If Cole was in that same group, then I think, quite frankly, NXT would have done better in, in the viewership <laughs> numbers. And uh, so this isn't to show that this isn't a, a jab at Adam Cole. I don't think AEW is doing anything right with him either. Like, he's just a guy. He's just, you know, yes, he goes in and has his good matches, but he's goofing off with you know the rest of the elite. And what have they done to make him feel like a star? I, to me, he peaked when he made his entrance on that first uh, on the pay-per-view as a surprise. Yeah, that was the that was the loudest pop I've ever been in a building for. That's wow. Forever, forever to be known as the Adam Cole pop. But it has since... It has since kind of diminished in weeks, and I agree with you. I mean, is this is this sort of buyer's remorse on the elite and the super click? You know, is is this one of those deals where they have just it like the everybody's tired of the gimmick? Are you tired of the gimmick? I can say I'm tired of the gimmick. <laughs> I am. You know, I think the Bucks are fun, and that they've they've been better than they were early in ever since they turned heel it just felt like yeah even though it's like a weird heel turn that they did i think they're doing good work i'm not into all the cutesy stuff and different strokes for different folks somebody else may see the ghostbusters match and and enjoy it i just see it and roll my eyes it's like this is you know i expect this from your competitor i want you to be different and you know and but again you know there's an audience that loves that from the competitor i'm just not it and those are the kind of things I'm tired of. And Kenny Omega, doing a solid job as champion, not the champion I thought he was going to be. You know, when I started hearing it's he and Don Callis, who's just mysteriously disappeared, um, yeah. he, they're doing Heenan and Bockwinkle. I'm like, okay, yeah. I grew up on Heenan and Bockwinkle. I will like this. Don Callis may be doing a variation of Heenan. Kenny Omega is not Nick Bockwinkle. I wish no. he was acting more like Nick Bockwinkle, <laughs> but he doesn't. He's out there being a screwball. And Nick yeah. Bockwinkle never did that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I agree with that uh, 100%. And I, it's sacrilegious to say on some level I know because I know to a lot of fans and a lot of really great fans, <laughs> Kenny Omega is, you know, the superstar that everybody says he is. And I, I understand that. But I don't think like when – I, that's why I used the two WWE names uh, bringing up that question with Danielson and with Adam Cole. It still doesn't feel to me, even though he's been the longest reigning AEW champion and he had three belts around his waist from three different companies at one point in time, it does not feel to me that Kenny Omega has sort of pushed through into the next echelon of stars. I would agree. And I'm somebody who loved his work in New Japan. And I just thought yeah. slam dunk, you know, when AEW assigned him, like, yeah, this is going to be, um, if not the face, certainly one of the faces. And he is one of the, you know, but I really thought he'd make a push to be the face. He's the champion they need. And it's not like it's all been bad. His matches are still very entertaining. Once the bell rings, I usually enjoy Kenny. It gets a little too cute at times, but. I just think so much of it has to do with the way he presents himself and, and that he lets his 
quirkiness as a person. You know, we all have our quirks, and he's definitely a quirky dude, and I think he lets too much of that shine through. We're in New Japan, maybe some of it was the language barrier, and they didn't ask him to, you know, he would cut the post-match promo, but I didn't see nearly as much of the goofball stuff. I wasn't seeing him do Urkel, and just some of the silly things that he does, where it's like, just be serious, and I think it'll work. ProWrestling.net is the place to go for news and analysis, live television and major event reviews, opinion pieces, and so much more. If you want to keep up on the very latest in professional wrestling, then search no further than ProWrestling.net. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, Everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting in some way. You have to wonder, because the Bucks and Omega are so aware of everything, it seems. You know, the Bucks updating their Twitter bio every day and trolling everybody every day and you have to you have to wonder if they felt this was the only way to get over his heels was to be this sort of obnoxious constantly trolling subset of people and i think now i mean if that's the case or if that has anything to do with it i don't know i mean because the definition of being a wrestling heel these days is a lot different than it was 30 years ago um maybe i Maybe now, if that's the case, it's it's kind of turned into go away heat, you know. Like, it's it's just obnoxious. We don't okay. We get it. We get the shtick. We put up with it for a little bit, but now not only is the shtick annoying, but it's also sort of hindering your ability to put on the great matches we all know you could put on. I mean, the the tag team title match at at All Out between the Lucha Bros and Young Bucks was great. Um, but still, I mean, there was silliness in there too. And I, I would just like to see Omega and the Bucks figure out how to be adults, for lack of a better word. I know that sounds harsh. I don't mean to be harsh, but more sort of serious and adult-like and still do whatever they want to do. If they want to be heels, fine. If they want to be baby faces, fine, but not just sort of. I don't know. It's like you have the people on the other end of the spectrum that, that say that they're killing the business. And they obviously lean into that because the Bucks named their book Killing the Business. <laughs> so they're very aware of that. And, and I just wonder if they're too aware of that at this point. Yeah. I mean, and I look at them and I also think different strokes for different folks that what they have done has worked for them. There's no disputing it. And mm-hmm. It's just a personal preference thing, but it's all it, it. Well, I shouldn't say it's more than that because it's what I think. You know, we're talking about what we think is best for business, and 
if I thought dressing up like the Ghostbusters and cosplaying was best for business, I would be the first to say, it's not for me, but it's the best for business. Mm-hmm. I, I don't feel that way. And they could have, here's what gets me about that match. You could have done that. You could have had them out there wearing the, uh, the, the outfits and everything. But when the other team is also playing dress up, for Halloween, no. If if it had been these guys are taking the Dark Order uh, as a joke, and they're out there acting like they're a joke by wearing these costumes and with the proton packs, wherever the hell they are, um, you know, it's it, it, it could have been done in a way where. Okay, you get to wear your little outfits or your costumes for Halloween and you have some fun with it. And then you end up, you know, showing ass at the end, which I think they did. I think they lost that match, if memory serves. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's done in a way where it's like, yeah, it's because they were arrogant. Not that it's just the norm that two teams would dress up like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I I agree. I also could, I could really do without Michael Nakazawa and Brandon Cutler. Agreed. I, I, I'm really, I'm just kind of tired of it. I'm tired of the whole thing. It is odd. I, I didn't even notice it until you said it a few minutes ago that, that Don Callis hasn't been around. That is odd. I wonder what that's about. But uh, I, I would like to see, right now, that's a faction. Well, I guess if you put Adam Cole in there, that would be a faction of six people, seven with Don Callis, and only four of them actually wrestle. I mean, Cutler and Nakazawa, I'm assuming, have dark matches every now and then. I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I guess they would probably have a record. If you go to AEW's website, they probably have a singles or a tag. Yeah, I remember Cutler working the tag match with Kenny Omega for some reason oh, that's in dark. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I remember that too. Um, but, I mean, the stars are obviously going to be Cole and Omega and the Bucks. And it's just, it's a mockery of everything, you know? I, I know that that sounds so... It sounds bad. I don't like saying that, but they really are kind of making a mockery to the point that it just makes me say, I can't even take this seriously. And the feuds that they have are stale. They're stale as all hell. I don't need to see another six-man tag match between them and Luchasaurus and Christian Cage and Jungle Boy. But that's what we're going to get at full gear. I'm just not going to be that interested. I mean, I'm kind of looking forward to the spot fest myself because I get to be there to actually see it. But I know what you're saying. <laughs> you know, if I wasn't, I'd be like this again. Um, and some of it, like it's, I don't want want this to be just crapping all over Kenny in the box because I think, and maybe they have a hand in this. But I guess we'll we'll throw Tony under the bus too, Tony Khan. Some of it's the presentation. You mentioned Cutler and Nakazawa. I think back to when, you know, before they all teamed up and the Bucks turned, Cutler's out there doing some elaborate dragon mask entrance thing, whatever it was, which, would you know, fine, whatever. Maybe it would work, maybe it wouldn't. Nakazawa was kind of doing his weird baby oil thing, which I never yeah. got into. Uh, yeah. But then, as somebody who doesn't watch Being the Elite, and or at least not always, I go from seeing those versions of these characters to suddenly I'm supposed to accept that now Cutler is a lackey doing cold spray with a face shield and all like, what did I miss? I watched, I watched dynamite every week. What is it that I missed? And I shouldn't have to feel like that. If I'm watching dynamite and rampage every week, if they do something on their YouTube shows, 
You better have a recap video that explains this on your television shows. And and there's just too much of that. So that's what I say. You know, the presentation is part of this, too. It's not just kind of the silliness that they do. It's that they leave part of the story on being the elite. And that should not be allowed to happen. That's not just on them. That's on everybody that's, you know, Tony Khan on down that's, that's letting this happen. Yeah, I just... I just wonder to that point too, though, if the, if that you know plays into this idea that that they are just you know smart, they're trying to to appeal to the inside joke smart fans like that type of thing, and they're like, if you know, you know, and if you don't, you don't, and we're not going to abide by any of the traditional, you know, uh, approaches to to developing stories and doing television. And I have an appreciation for, you know, wanting to change the formula and think outside the box. Sure, I think that that's great. I think, you know, the more chances you take, the better. Uh, but with that said, I do think there, is some, there are some traditional television storytelling values that should be fundamental to getting these things to work. And what you're saying is exactly right. I mean, I could even – I'll even be more forgiving with Rampage. If they want to pull some of that on Rampage – without necessarily explaining it. Ah, okay, it's an hour show. It's a 10 o'clock on Friday night. It's already established itself as the second tier show. But if you think about anything that's ever happened on Monday Night Raw for the last 30 years, not a chance in hell would you not get some type of recap of what happened. In fact, at this point, Raw is too recap heavy. <laughs> but if, if something were to happen not on television, you would always get that you know, that sort of update because it's the main show. If there was one thing you watch from WWE for years and years, it would have been Monday Night Raw. Well, it's the same thing with AEW. If, you're, if there's one thing you're going to watch from AEW, it would be Dynamite every week. So that's at that point, I think you need to be a little more careful if you're going to incorporate a lot of this stuff. And you need to figure out a way to make sure that you're not just, you know, as the thing we go back to catering to the smart fans and i i just think i think there's there's an element of ego in that and and moxie i think that that goes into all of that that i find a little i don't know i mean i don't want to say pretentious but at least there, there's a little bit of you know uh just something doesn't feel right <laughs> you know i will give you an example of the case where wwe did make this mistake recently uh king woods the all this talk going into the pay-per-view about how it's been his dream to win like we never heard that i watched ron smackdown i I, he wasn't talking about winning king of the ring now he did on his youtube show that's nice but tell me the story on here not just through the announcers have him express it they never did yeah that's a really good point Uh, they really dropped the ball on that although i'll I'll be honest because i don't watch a lot of those video game shows that he does I do follow him on Twitter, though, so I, I did see in the weeks and weeks leading up, if not months, he had started, he planted the King of the Rings seat a long time ago, I, I remember, um, before the tournament was even announced. And I I remember thinking, well, this that's, that's cool. Uh, King of the Rings is never going to happen again. <laughs> and then, lo and behold, King of the Ring happened again. I shouldn't have said never, but, you know, it wasn't going to happen in the near future. But then it, it came, and it would have been so easy for WWE to just, I don't know, do a Jeremy Borash special, like a minute and a half video, just chronic of uh, interview something. I don't know. Uh, they, I think they really, that could have been a lot cooler than it was that moment. Or even just have him say, hey, if you've been watching my show, sneak in a plug for your show, then you know how much this means to me. And then cut the promo explaining why. 
it, yeah. it, it's fine to go ahead and have these shows and and do th- you know certain things for those audiences, but WWE does a much better job of not falling into that category than AEW has. But as much as I've grumbled and, and we've grumbled about some of the flaws <laughs> that AEW has, um, I'm really looking forward to attending my first show. Uh, but like I said, Rampage, you know, going in a little guard up a little bit. Going the the actual live show should be fine. It's it's everything leading up to it. But hey, I'm totally open to being to eating my words. But the pay per view itself, I'm very excited. Um, just to be in that party atmosphere, and I'm very curious to see if my home state blows this because they've been selling out pretty much everywhere and here there's still tickets available it's one of the reasons they didn't come here is my understanding before this and they weren't supposed to come here for this show it was supposed to be st louis last weekend but then you had the boxing match and you had the ufc fight and so they decided to move it and minneapolis was open target center was open and so i don't i'm hoping there's going to be a good walk up and they're going to be able to sell this thing out but uh yeah it's for some reason i think it's the pay-per-view buys or something they really look at and uh the minnesota area is is as much wrestling tradition as there is it just hasn't been a hotbed for them for uh, again for some weird reason but let's uh, i guess let me ask you i always like to ask jake barnett this question on donnet weekly and i will coming up on friday afternoon when he and i get together uh on a zero to ten level of enthusiasm scale where are you for aew full gear Oh, I would go currently, I would say 6.5. And I think that's fair. You know, me in person is a little bit different. If I were just watching from home, I, I mean, I'd li- I look at the card. I like it. I can't say this just feels like one of their biggest events. It feels like a full gear rather than an all out or a double or nothing, if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, you know, that's kind of the thing now, granted, well, even so going back to the initial question about uh, referencing that I had been at the first two full gears, you know, the atmosphere in Baltimore for the first full gear, you know, it was, it was okay. It wasn't hot, hot. Like I, I expected it to be hot, hot. I was also at the very first dynamite in Washington, DC. And that was hot. I mean, that was molten lava. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Baltimore was not like that. Even though Baltimore is a nice wrestling city, I think it has a lot of tradition. It was not like that for full gear last year in Jacksonville, obviously the pandemic, it was, they were still at, I don't even think they're at half capacity. I think it was still supposed to be quarter capacity. So, you know, the crowd was what it was going to be. That wasn't going to, that you can't really fault anybody or anything for that. But I will just say all out blew everything away Yeah, <laughs> in terms of the crowd. And I don't know if it was just Chicago. I mean, the card itself was, was great. I, there wasn't a match on there outside of probably Paul white and QT Marshall that I really didn't care about. So I loved the card, but the, the crowd was amazing. And I'll be honest with that first full gear. Uh, and I think that was the lights out, uh, Moxley Omega match that, that finished out that show. Um, I was expecting a lot more and the crowd not being as into it as I thought that they would be kind of brought things down for me and my personal experience. So I would, if there is any advice, not that anybody needs to seek it, but if you go and the crowd's not into it as much as you hoped, or they don't sell it out or dot, 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 I hope you still find a way to have a lot of fun. 
<laughs> I've been to plenty of wrestling shows that didn't sell out, and I had a blast. So, you know, it's just, I'd like to see them come back, and that's where I'm kind of like, come on, Minneapolis and St. Paul, get it together. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's, man, I mean, the thing, like, you're going to get the diehards, and they yeah. are going to be pumped for this. It's going to be the first two AEW shows in the Twin Cities. There'll be some traveling fans, I'm sure, as well. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, I, I think it's going to be a good time. Let's get your predictions on this. I may chime in occasionally with some, and I'm going to try to save the bulk of mine for when Jake and I get together on Friday. Uh, let's start with the one that you were looking forward to the most, Christian Cage, <laughs> Jungle Boy, and Luchasaurus facing Adam Cole and the Young Bucks. Falls count anywhere match. Falls count anywhere. I'm always, I'm always excited when you're when you tell me you're you're not going to make predictions, and then you're like, I'm going to make these later, and then I'm just out here on an island by myself. Yep. Um, <laughs> I I think it's about time, if if we're going to blow this off, and I hope to God we do, uh, we're going to get Jungle Boy and uh, Christian and Luchasaurus winning. I I actually think if I had to predict, I would I would go 55-45 in favor of those three. Um, those three winning jungle boy takes too many losses. I'm sorry. I, for as much as he's the next big thing, they, they beat him a lot. Uh, so I think they get, they get their revenge. They get a win and everybody can move on. I hope that's my prediction. Any chance of a cage turn on jungle boy. I'm not seeing it, but it's a little bit trickier to read Tony Khan's booking because we don't have, you know, as long as you've been a wrestling fan experience like we do at WWE. <laughs> yeah. Well, we could always just look at Tony Khan's notebook. I'm sure it's written down. That's true. But, uh, that That's not a thing I had thought of, but I love that idea. I just don't know how you would do it on Saturday night if if Christian isn't going to go with the Bucks. You know, how does how does he turn on him but not be aligned with the elite? That's That's what I don't know. Maybe he'll start uh, his own faction. Everybody must have a faction. He geez, ain't that the truth? But then who's he going to recruit? Like, there's so many. I mean, you got, it's feast or famine there. Was he going to get, you know, the people like Lee Moriarty? Is he going to get a Matt Seidel? Is, you know, I, I don't know. Who would align themselves with Christian Cage? Unless if someone's coming in. I don't know. But there's, I would love to see that. That's great booking. I, I'm on board with you. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think it's going to happen at this show, but I've been waiting for it to happen at some point. And so maybe this will be, you know, kind of, <clears throat> excuse me, move things in that direction. We'll see. Uh, and then let's go with the inner circle facing American top team. Uh, Jericho, Sa- uh, Jake Hager, Sammy Guevara, Santana and Ortiz. And they're facing Junior Dos Santos, Andre Orlovsky, Ethan Page, Scorpio Sky and Dan Effin Lambert. And this, by the way, I don't know what the difference is between a Falls Count Anywhere match, but this is a Minneapolis street fight, not to be confused with a St. Paul street fight. Yeah, or a Philly street fight that I've seen multiple times. Right. Not even at the show, outside of the show. No. Uh, uh, This one's a hard one to read. I've thought about this one because you have to think they put Lambert in the match, which, you know, the perception would be that America's top team is going to be at a disadvantage so then you think somehow they end up winning uh i know it seems like jericho likes putting people over and putting over ethan page and scorpio sky would be would be good for page and sky um i think the inner circle can absorb a loss my only my only thing though is is if the inner circle loses do they run this back somehow is this the end of this feud i I, that, that i don't know but if you're 
you're asking me, if you're asking me to pick, I'm going to go with America Top Team. It would be a little super fan friendly. Any chance of Tom Lawler showing up and helping Dan Lambert's team? Oh man, if Tom Law- if that happens, I'm going to drive to Minneapolis. I'll, I'll see you there. <laughs> <laughs> I, that would be fantastic, and he's been very vocal about being a free agent, essentially. <laughs> so, I mean, it wouldn't be surprising. No, you know, we know Tom. As far well, as just, you know, because we've won. <laughs> well, I just mean in terms of watching MLW, New Japan Strong, we know Tom Lawler from that. We're talking about the casual viewers now. How many casual viewers know Tom Lawler? Would it, and, and it doesn't mean you can't do it. You're just going to have to frame it the right way. Yeah, you would have to frame it the right way. Um, I think people, I think more people know that name than... than from UFC? Of, yeah, I, I think so. I they know the name they probably i mean he hasn't fought well i mean not the usc level in a, in a long time um i think some people know that name definitely i i would venture to guess you know 80 still say 70 to 80 percent of you know wrestling fans know that name um you don't have to be watching new japan or mlw all the time to know it uh they might not be familiar with his work they might not know about the jorts and the jean jacket and all of that. But, um, yeah, I mean, it would be a great surprise. I, you think you'd get a great pop? From Yeah, I mean, because it's, it, it, I would assume it's going to be a largely diehard audience. I think they would know who he is, and I think they would be, I don't know about pop, but it's, you know, I think there would be recognition. If yeah. they go with that, I would think that Dan Lambert is actually going to score the pin for his team. I could see that, yeah. I wonder over who, probably over Jericho, huh? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> that would that would be fun. I'll tell you this: I, I can't remember if you and I have talked since. Maybe we have, I, but in terms of this, you could not hear him speak in Philadelphia when when Jericho was in the ring and said to Dan Lambert, who was trying to cut a promo that he couldn't hear Dan Lambert, Jericho was not lying. Right. <laughs> he was getting so many boos, and it was so loud from that Philadelphia crowd, you could not hear a word he said. So I don't know. I mean, Maybe if Lambert has that type of heat for you, that'll be a lot of fun. That'll be a fun match. I think, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, you got a lot of non-wrestlers in there, you know, just or very inexperienced wrestlers. I'm curious to see how they pull this off, especially, but it is a street fight, so... You know what? It, it, that's I'm gonna have to watch this one back uh, for sure because what I'm watching may be completely different from what they're showing on camera, what they want us to be watching. Mm-hmm. Um, let's go next with CM Punk and Eddie Kingston. Oh, uh, I don't think I don't think you beat CM Punk yet. I really don't. Uh, they did a they've done a really good job. I'm not a fan of just kind of having these short builds for all the matches at their pay-per-views. And this is another one that I think falls victim to that, but they really heated it up last week. And they also heated it up uh, with that Eddie Kingston piece on the player's tribute. I mean, wow. I can't even imagine the, the sort of the notoriety he's gotten from that has been incredible, but Kingston has no problem losing. I think Kingston looks like a million bucks, but CM Punk comes out on top. And we finally see an edge from him in AEW, something I don't think we've seen from him in AEW since he's been back. And I think we're going to see it here. 
and Punk moves on to somebody. I don't know, but I think he wins. My guess was that they were building to Punk, uh, Kingston and Moxley as a team against Punk and Brian Danielson. But I have no idea when Moxley's going to be back. I have no idea if that was actually in the cards or just me, you know, fantasy booking. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think it's probably all up in the air right now if that was the plan. But uh, very much looking forward to that match. Uh, Darby Allen, MJF. No stipulation, just a singles title. Darby made it seem like he's going to wrestle. Yeah, this this is tough. Uh, this is tough. They have protected MJF a ton. Um, I mean, a ton. He rarely loses. In fact, he rarely wrestles. <laughs> He'll talk a lot, but he doesn't wrestle that much. And I think that's why I think MJF wins, and that gives them the option to keep going, uh, which they might. Uh, but but I don't know. Um, I don't think he wins without the help of somebody. With that said, I also think we're looking at a Wardlow babyface turn, and that might happen as well. If that does happen, then perhaps you see Darby Allen win. But I think on on face value, I think MJF walks away the winner because they they just they do not beat him. They really don't. And then we'll go with uh, the Lucha Brothers, Penta and Phoenix, defending the AEW tag titles against FTR. I would like to say, since I've complained most of this podcast, <laughs> that I get a kick out of FTR calling themselves the best luchadors <laughs> in the world. And I kind of like the novelty of Lucha Bros being the AEW tag champs and FTR being... The, is it the triple a tag champs i think yes so. yeah okay um uh i think the lucha bros uh retain um but i don't think that this is going to be the end i don't i i don't know i, I think ftr has another title run coming soon but that's just me i could be wrong and then let's go i guess we're into uh, all title matches now. Or I guess the Eliminator Tournament Final. Let's do that. Yeah. Brian Danielson, Miro. Before we do, did they make the right call in going with Miro? I know some people thought, oh, they should go Punk and get him in here. And we'll have Punk and Danielson. Uh, too soon, in my opinion? What say you? Yeah, I agree. Uh, that would have been way too soon. I don't mind Miro. Miro hasn't been doing much of anything except talking about God every week for 90 seconds. So I, I was wondering how he was going to be figured into this pay-per-view. I'm glad he got figured in. I think, you know, he's been doing a really good job uh, kind of reinventing himself in AEW. To bring him in as a video game a gamer was just, why? what are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> um, so I think this will be a good match. Uh, and I think it actually has potential to be the match of the night. Um, Brian Danielson loves, if, at least if legend is true, he loves losing. Uh, I have been on record. I thought that Moxley, that we were going to get Moxley and Brian, and Moxley was going to win the tournament. That's what I thought. Uh, I don't see Brian Danielson getting his first loss in AEW to Miro, even if he likes losing. But um, maybe we'll get it. I just can't. I, I'm just going to have to go with Danielson here. And I think those plans had to change because of the Moxley situation. I think that there were other things in play before that. 
I hope Miro looks great, though, and I hope that this leads to something more for him. See, I thought, well, you know what? I'm going to say we'll talk about it after the main event because um, it kind of plays into that. Let's go with Britt Baker and Ty Conti AEW Women's Championship. Yeah, that, that I mean, that's got to go Britt Baker. Nowhere, I mean, possibly the biggest star in the company, male or female. Um, well, probably not outside of Punk and Danielson, maybe, but. Uh, her title reign could be for the next ten years, <laughs> and we've got to we've got to see her get back to Thunder Rosa at some point, so she's not losing. Yeah, I, I'm kind of disappointed. I think the match will be good. I think it makes sense. Ty Conti's been kind of built up, but this is. I, I was really hoping this was going to be Thunder Rosa for the show that yeah. I was attending, and they just haven't made me think that Ty Conti has a chance. Maybe they'll do something on the go home show that will make me feel differently. But that's been my issue with the build of this match. Is I'm not sitting here going, man, I don't know who's going to win. Not even a little bit. I mean, you can all it's wrestling. You can always com- book the complete upset if you want to. But I just yeah, there's just something about this that doesn't feel big looking forward to seeing Britt baker in person been very impressed with ty conti's resurgence and and uh aew coming off a forgettable run in nxt largely uh but yeah it just should be bigger and then the main event this is uh the, the big one kenny omega defending against hangman page it was supposed to take place at the last pay-per-view it was pushed back uh, there was some question are we going to get omega and daniel uh, brian danielson are we going to get omega and page are we going to get a triple threat uh, we're getting the singles match, the big showdown match, and I will now tell you what I was going to tell you about the uh, Danielson tournament thing. I looked at it as this was Danielson's only way to get into or get another AEW title shot. They haven't sent him to Dark to win a bunch of matches there to pad the record, and so rather than take that approach, I thought this is the way you do it. You build toward Danielson and Omega again. But there's a lot of people, including oddsmakers, who think that this is uh, the end of the road for Omega's championship reign. This is the crowning moment for Hangman Page. And so I guess everything's kind of different. It's different than I anticipated it being, if that actually uh, turns out to be the case. Do you think it's going to? Is this Hangman Page's big night? This one is an easy one to overthink uh, because... I think our inclination is to overthink something like this because it does seem like Hangman Page should win uh, or should not win, depending on how you feel. (laughs) And you stole this match from me, by the way. I was supposed to see this in Chicago, and now you get to see it. So I'm angry at you. I wanted Danielson and Omega myself, but I mean, that's a hell of a consolation prize. (laughs) Uh, I do think Adam Page is going to win. I wrote this on .net a couple weeks ago. I think it was in the body of one of my reviews or maybe it was a, a Monday thing, but um, I I don't think you need a title between Omega and Danielson to have that matter, to even have that at the top of the card. True. Um, they had such a great first match, and and it, they're obviously going to come back to it because it was a draw, and they're they're going to figure out a way to get there. Uh, so I think you know you you can take the belt off of Kenny Omega. Give it to Adam Page, and Adam Page can have a whole new set of eyes. And I think this was what I wrote for .NET as well. Under the assumption Moxley was going to win the tournament, which was my prediction, uh, I thought, well, there you go. Moxley's clearly turning heel step by step. He's going in that direction. 
and Paige's first opponent as champion will be a heel John Moxley, which is a good first opponent for for a new babyface champion. So right, I thought that's right. where we were going to go. Um, and then after that, you have Danielson and Omega uh, fighting amongst themselves. That gets heated up somehow. Maybe Danielson interferes in the match or something. Maybe, I don't know. Or maybe Omega interferes in Danielson's match. Like I could see that happening. And with that said, Omega interferes in Danielson's match. Miro wins the shot. And then Miro and Hangman Page. You know, there's your first heel uh, ch- challenger to Babyface Champion 2. You could still do that same thing. Um, so I don't think you need a world title to make Danielson and Omega feel uh, bigger than everything else. And therefore, I think you pull the trigger on Page now. I, I would think that if he doesn't win, those boo birds are going to come out. <laughs> the fans are not going to be happy about that. All right. Well, there it is. I don't even know I will be attending. We will, of course, have live coverage. Jake Barnett will be covering AEW Full Gear live on Saturday night as it airs on pay-per-view television. So join Jake for his live review. And Jake and Will Pruitt are going to get together for the same night audio review of Full Gear since I'll be attending the post-show scrum and doing things in downtown Minneapolis, which is about a 25-30 minute drive from home. I don't know when the hell I'll be doing audio, but uh, <laughs> on that show, probably not until the Monday. We're actually going to do a Pro Wrestling Boom Live, but um, I talked about that in the opening, so I won't bore people with more. But I will tell you that uh, we are going to be talking about the MLW War Chamber event, the television tapings. And so if you don't care about spoilers, stick around. If you do, this is your warning to clear out because uh, I'm not saying we're going to run through every match result, but uh, we're not going to be bashful about uh, sharing them either. And uh, Colin, I I guess before, just to give people a little bit of time, like Johnny Fairplay, who listens to these shows in the shower, might be going, don't, don't. I don't even know if he's watching MLW. But he uh, used to tell me that uh, you need to add more time so that I can get out of the shower and hit stop so I don't have things spoiled for me. And so I've given him a hard time about it ever since. Um, But uh, non-spoiler-wise... Your thoughts on the overall event? I know one of your complaints last time was essentially that the show went way longer than it should have. People were leaving the building during the big, or before the big Jacob Fatu and Alex Hammerstone title versus title match. MLW indicated they felt the same way. They were going to address this. Did they? They did. Uh, They did. And I was very, very thankful for that. Uh, Everything has been hectic in my, my schedule wise so to be able to not be there until one o'clock in the morning and we we gained an hour of sleep if you remember on saturday so that and most people did i didn't <laughs> um yeah it was it was it was shorter which which i appreciated i did i had that in mind as everything was going on and when you have that in mind uh, you tend to look look at things and and try to point out ooh, i think they just i think they just finished two or three minutes early i think ooh, they shaved this was this was only four minutes and this seemed like this should have been eight minutes like that type of thing you, you kind of begin to overanalyze it so i do think they they cut a couple matches short rightfully so i was i was worried about the construction of the war chamber uh i was at the gcw war games show in chicago the night before all out and it took them more than 45 minutes to construct the war games Uh, and i just you know everybody's just kind of standing there and i'm like oh god and 
and they got to it was about 10:30 and i and the only thing left was the war game or the war chamber match so i thought oh my god they're not going to get this up until 11 i'm going to be here another hour and lo and behold i they got it up and the match ended the show ended before 11 o'clock so wow it, it was it was uh they did a really good job making sure they were respectful of everybody's time. There were lesser matches. I think I counted 12 as opposed to 18 before, 18 or 17 before. So they shaved about an hour and a half off, and, and I really, um, really did appreciate it. <laughs> so I should explain. No, I don't live in a state that just you know blows off daylight saving time. I wish the world would. We should spring forward one more time and then never mess with the clocks ever again. <laughs> yeah. It is a stupid tradition. No, it has nothing to do with farmers. Look it up. This is a dumbass <laughs> thing that we do. And there are politicians who talk, oh, we should like stop doing this. And they talk about it and don't do anything about it. And you know, if it like became a serious issue, they'd be split right down the middle on which they whether they should spring <laughs> forward or fall back. I hate this, but... Here's how I lost or didn't gain an hour. I didn't really lose one, but I didn't gain an hour. So my alarm clock next to the bed, I watch to make sure two o'clock rolls around, supposed to fall back. And it didn't. I'm like, okay, no big deal. I knew it did this for one of the either spring forward or fall back. It's it's off, whatever. So I went I, and I actually looked closer to like 220, something like that. So it's like, all right, this isn't happening. So I went ahead and changed the time back an hour. Woke up the next morning and thinking it was eight something in the morning and went downstairs and found out, no, it did change after that. Why it changed, not at two when it's supposed to, but some other time. So I ended up losing an hour because it was actually nine something <laughs> when I woke up. So there you go. That's how you don't gain an, an hour of sleep on daylight saving time. <laughs> oh, wow. That's awful. I'm so sorry for you. Oh, and it just turned out to be a terrible day. Vikings blew another one, and oh, my man, fantasy man. team just crapped the bed after losing Derrick Henry. And, oh, my God. Anyway, uh, let's talk about him. It was such a bad Sunday. I felt free on that Vikings game. I, I don't. I'm so used to it. I don't, like, I'm just sitting there going, yeah, like, just, you just wait for the other shoe to dry. It's like, man, eh. so used to it. Uh, I got to know, Gnarls Garvin. Hmm. Is he worth MLW's hype? Uh, he's worth some hype, sure. He was, he actually, because of the hype, I, I had low expectations. That's kind of how I guess my mind works sometimes. <laughs> and um, so I had low expectations seeing him. He, uh, he was, he had a lot of energy, a lot, a lot of energy. And he really came across as intense, you know. He, he, it's, it's a hard thing to pull off, you know, kind of like the John Moxley believe me I'm crazy type thing uh it's a hard thing to pull off and he did a good job with it uh he was a lot more animated than I anticipated him being um he also you know he took down my boy Bud Heavy no so that, yeah <laughs> that, that was upsetting but he was only out there for a minute and a half it, so is he was, a heel I mean you got to be a heel to beat Bud Heavy yeah he's I, I'm pretty sure he's working heel they he then walked up the ramp and I think it was Alicia Toot that tried to uh, interview him and he just kind of pushed her away and grabbed the microphone and started yelling at the top of his lungs for three minutes. <laughs> you couldn't make out some of it. And then that was the end of his night. So, ah, yeah. I mean, do you know anything about him prior to MLW? I had never heard his name until we okay. get that press release. I just, when I saw it on the press release, I thought, why is Gnarls Barkley wrestling? I was like, oh, exactly. Wait, that's a... <laughs> 
And I'm like, but, Garmin, is he related to hopefully Jimmy or Ronnie rather than Terry? I that, yeah, I was thinking that too. Is he related to one of the Garmins? Is that supposed to be the story? But they didn't really explain any of that. Precious was not in his corner, I take it. No, no, no. He, you know who, uh, he reminded me of like a young Stan Hansen. Really? Yeah, he kind of did. I mean, just the way he presented himself and everything, there was, there was a little bit of that in him, which I really appreciated. And like, it just felt like he could have the, the tobacco in his, in his mouth, you know, and then like the, it's just dripping. He was that kind of person. Well, you mentioned too much energy or a lot of energy and things like that. Um, so that leads us to Enzo. Why? Oh yeah. Why? Well, why? You're gonna have to. You're gonna have to ask MLW. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Enzo, the curious case of Enzo. Uh, Enzo, as I, I mentioned briefly in the Monday piece, he he was always around. Uh, which was not, I mean, I was expecting, I truly was, and this is just me being, you know, mean, but I didn't expect him to be a member of the team. You know, I didn't expect him to be like kind of mingling with people and being out and about, but he was, and he was, he was not big shotting anybody, which was nice to see. Um, he looked slow and he looked gassed in the ring. Um, but, uh, he, I think, I think he got a little sloppy on his, on his finish too, because you know what, what was the name of that in the WWE? He puts his foot on the on the face and then they fall. I don't remember the name of it, but when he went to put his foot up on Matt Cross's face, he like kicked him. Ooh. <laughs> he kicked him like for real. I was like, oh, oh no. Uh, but uh, he was a little slower. He then there he did some heel work afterwards i think he he kept attacking somebody so he's gonna work as a heel if he's gonna continue with mlw i was under the impression he is is that a, are you under that impression i guess i i don't know either way i just kind of assumed okay. that you know once they brought him in for a show he's probably you know if things go well he's probably gonna do more it's not like he's in demand anywhere else it seems uh, yeah, that's true. I I don't think he wants to. I mean, it's hard for me to think he wants to wrestle. I I, I say that based on absolutely nothing other than his body language. I, I just kind of feel like he's out there. He he tried the hip hop career. His his uh, theme song is his single, which they played over and over again. And I, if I hear that song one more time, that's too too many. But. <laughs> He, uh, you know, the hip hop thing didn't really take off. He still had all that stuff out in Phoenix, which I think has been taken care of. That's gone away, and they didn't uh, charge him or prosecute him or anything like that. Um, but he's he's not the most liked person in all of wrestling. And well, how did the crowd uh, treat him? Uh, when they came out, the crowd, the the word that comes to mind is respectful. They they came, he came out in Philadelphia. He, well, they they kind of cheered. They yeah, they kind of cheered. I think they liked to see if they liked seeing a WWE guy. I don't know, but he, uh, you know, they kind of cheered. But then, when it became clear that he was going to work as a heel, they hopped on him right away. Hey, wait a minute, <laughs> this the city that notoriously booed Santa Claus was respectful yes. to Enzo Amore. Respect at least for his entrance. When when he left, that was a different story. But for his entrance. You heard some. You heard some cheers. Yeah, yeah. That's Philly for you. So the effort was there. He was mingling. You know, I mean, 
good luck to him. You know, if he's trying to revitalize his career. And... I guess. I, I can't see him. Like I said, and I'm no body language expert, but he he didn't seem to hold himself with a lot of, you know, I'm happy to be here while he was in the <laughs> ring. Like, it, it wasn't necessarily that. It was, I'm going to get through this match. I hope I get through this match. And then I'm going to go home back to New Jersey or something. So I, I, I actually wouldn't be surprised if he, unless if he somehow winds up in impact with, uh, with his dude, Morrissey, and they can kind of reunite or a company like a, a like an AEW or WWE wants to take a chance on them. And I can't imagine either of them do, you know, I don't see him working the indies like that. I don't see him going to GCW and revolve and, you know, goes on and on. <laughs> he just didn't seem like his heart was in it. Any idea why they have a women's featherweight division and it's a singles division, but they keep having C-Stars tag matches? I have no idea, but C-Stars are like, I feel like MLW is about to give them tag titles. <laughs> they push the C-Stars so, so much. I, I don't know. I don't know. Ashley Vox, she's she's a good worker. What do you think of her? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and nothing wrong with that. It's just kind of weird to me that they're just trying to get this division off the ground, and they don't have a singles title, let alone tag titles yet. Yeah. You'd think singles would be the way they would go to start, and they keep giving us C-Stars tag matches. I know. I know. I know. Um, and I've never understood, the, again, we're the C-Stars, and we have a bunch of C-related move name. Like, okay. I think that's the gimmick, yeah. <laughs> it's not a good one. But hey, if it's working, who am I to say? Well, who's what's the other member? The other member's name, not Vox. Uh, Delmi XO. Okay. I, I get the feeling like... Vox is kind of leading the whole thing um, just from and I could be completely wrong but I, I'm wondering if this, this is kind of used to either eventually prop her up into uh, a prominent women's position or to help out everybody she's around because some of those some of the women's matches I've seen at these MLW tapings have been rough at times so maybe she's working as sort of a mentor to some people I don't know and then uh, the other one was Holiday beating Willow Nightingale. So they're still trying to push Holiday as the heel of the women's division. They are, and she recruited somebody as well. Did you did you get that in my spoilers? Aris or I, I'm not Aramis, but Ar Ar Aramis. Aramis. Uh, they yeah she uh, he came out during the match and uh helped her win so and i and willow nightingale uh, brought out the blue meanie with her so tell me about caesar duran's briefcase full of cash well it had real money which i was or at least it looked to be real money so i was excited for that um it was i think i alluded to this in in uh what i wrote as well you know those two can work great together. Yeah. Um, we've we've seen those matches. Um, we've seen them really, really, really good matches. And, and, and it's a res and Aramis for anyone who may have missed it. Arez, yes. Arez, and it's a res who uh, came out to help Holiday. So th there's that stable. Um, 
But in any case, um, I remember one, I think it was on a fusion. It was before I went to the last tapings, uh, before this one. So it would have been, I don't know, September or maybe even August, but it was a great match. Um, this was not that I thought it would be better than it was to be huh. honest. And I, I don't know if I, we were just all spoiled with the, the first match or the first few matches that they had together. Uh, they, they worked very well together, but this was actually one of the ones that I thought too was a casualty of time. Uh, it felt shorter than it should have been kind of could have benefited from a few more minutes. You kind of thought that, uh, there would be a lot more, action than there was there were a few spurts they opened with a great sequence two three minute sequence but things kind of calmed down you didn't see as much as you'd want and and then of course um holiday and dr dax were out there and they interfered so yeah it was uh it could have been better dr dax is a weird one yeah i don't get it i mean is he just supposed to take losses I don't know. I mean, he comes out with a dog collar chain on that Holodead leads him around. I, yeah, I don't really get it, but whatever. Uh, we have a new MLW Openweight champion, the ladder match, Alex Kane over Alex Shelley's and she, Myron Reed, and ACH. This was actually the show opener. It was, yeah. Um, that was that was fine. That was also that also kind of ended abruptly. I was I was surprised that Myron Reed didn't win. I really thought Myron Reed was was the favorite going in just from stuff he had said last month um, in October, mentioning that he was looking to move on to bigger and better things. Um, and, and now he doesn't have a tag partner, at least in MLW. Jordan Oliver yeah, was let go. That's true, yeah. So I, I kind of thought that he was he was on that track. But, you know, Alex Kane makes sense. Um, and I think it's pretty clear he's going to work with Calvin Tankman, which would be great. Yeah. Um, so I'm really excited for that. And uh, King Mo's not wrestling. That's the best news of all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's not wrestling yet. No. No. Um, uh, Zensi, I, I make note of that because uh, he, uh, he had a couple really interesting spots. So when, when the, the match airs, uh, keep your eye on him. I thought he was, he kind of stood out uh, in a way that I wasn't expecting. Um, See, I think he always does. I've written that many times in my reviews, and they just don't really go anywhere with him, but hopefully they are now. Yeah, I, I hope so, too. Um, if I remember correctly, he somehow played into the finish in a sort of a in a roundabout way. So maybe he, maybe we'll see him get bigger and better things. He's, he's uh, quite the character, though. I mean, he came... When the match was over, he went and basically stood by me for the duration of the next couple matches. Like, he didn't even go to the locker room. <laughs> he just stood, and his mom was there um, uh, by me as well with a, with a dog, and he just hugged the dog for minutes and minutes on end. So, Speaking of which, mine is making noise in the background. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> I can't I can't hear it. So oh, good, okay. Good. It's all good. But, yeah, that, that was a nice, that was a good opener, in fact. I thought it was a smart idea to put that first kind of get everybody engaged and i guess the only other thing i have questions about is the war games match the war chamber match um so they originally listed joseph samuel as being in this then yes. they pulled him went with two sentai death squad members it was samuel present no and was caesar duran present for this show 
Yes. Okay. He brought um, out Jeff Cobb or whatever. Oh, that's right. Okay. So, yeah, Jeff Cobb was going to be Matanz I read. I think Mike Johnson had that item, and then uh-huh. the gear didn't. He, he wasn't comfortable with the gear or something. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> Which, well, the, I mean, come on. It's Jeff Cobb. Yes, Lucha Underground is watched by some, but uh, I don't know. It, I hope they're not thinking Lucha Underground is bigger than it was. Oh, uh, they might be. They yeah. actually introduced him as that. Well, hmm. however you pronounce that name. It was funny because they introduced him as that with Caesar Duran. But Jeff Cobb wore tights that said Jeff Cobb. <laughs> 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 so, so it's like, I don't know who you think you're fooling. And everybody started chanting Jeff Cobb. But back to something you said, though, this did not make it into any of the things that I wrote. Uh, the Death Squad members. I don't know who the hell they are. But I can tell you this. I, I don't know what the hell happened. Because, well, I'll get to that in a second. Both of those guys, before the match was over, and I doubt they're going to show this on TV, before the match was over, both those guys were outside of the cage and they walked to the back. It was like a sleight of hand move. <laughs> they came out. They came out for their big, you know, countdown entrance. They did. They even had some spots, and then just like randomly, the I don't think they wanted anybody to see, but the the war chamber door opened, and like one of them rolls out and kind of sprints to the back, and then another one rolls out and he sprints right toward where I am, and he's Weird. just like walking to the back. Yeah, and I don't know what that was about. When everybody got into the ring, I mean these are five, these are ten people. 10 big dudes in a small wrestling ring. <laughs> and it, it felt like people didn't have any room to do anything. So it was a single ring war chamber. Yeah, it was a single ring. So that kind of took away from a lot of it. Maybe that's why it fell so flat. But I don't know what was going on. I don't know if maybe somebody no-showed. I don't know if somebody was hurt. I, I don't know. But the guys, they got to kind of dress up and go in there as the death squad. Yeah, they didn't stick around too long. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, I wonder. I mean, I guess it is crowded in there, but you'd think they just have them roll under the ring or something if you're going to try to not let the live crowd see. I don't know. Um, but you said, from your review, this just wasn't the best of War Chamber matches. No, it being one ring, I mean, you have that. Um, there weren't any crazy spots. Uh, the Jeff Cobb surprise everybody knew, so I mean that was fine. And by the way, I mean the the whole thing started off with Fatu against Jeff Cobb, which is a dream match for a lot of people. So that was fun to see. Um, but then the second surprise, Savio Vega. Why why would you advertise that as a surprise? Why <laughs> just say he's on the team? I, unless if they thought they could get somebody else and it just didn't happen. That's the only thing I can think of. Uh, but. At the end of the day, I mean, it's it's good work if you can get it. But Alex Hammerstone, all he's got to do anymore is come out, pose on the ramp for about three minutes, walk into the war chamber, uh, throw a few punches, get a few boots in, a couple body slams, give somebody the torture rack, and then you get to go home, son. <laughs> It's great work if you could get about five minutes worth of work, then pose your ass off. And it's it's truly is the Hulk Hogan thing. It really is. Yeah, I almost feel like too much. 
with the Hulk oh, Hogan yeah. thing? Oh, most definitely too much. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. So, <laughs> Mike Johnson also reported it was supposed to be King Mortez. So, oh, okay. I could have sworn Hammerstone said he wasn't crazy enough to let Caesar Duran determine who was going to be in War Chamber, and then apparently he did because he had Jeff Cobb. And was going to have King Mortez. So I'm guessing there's just something that still plays out on MLW TV before this airs that will explain that. Ah, uh, well, that's possible. I, I, w- I would think so. I, the Savio Vega thing was just, I mean, he got booed. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, <laughs> that is just, yeah. they almost should have done an angle, like in front of the crowd where he became the fourth guy and they saved Cobb for the big surprise or something. But, I mean, the word on Cobb was kind of out there, too, I believe, going into the show. Um, so, post-match, Jacob fought too, really left Contra. Post-match. Um, the only thing that I could think of that justified the way the match went, which was, like I said, pretty flat and not all that interesting, is that this was just going to be the conduit to set up Jeff Cobb against Contra. Or, I mean, not Jeff Cobb, Jacob fought too against Contra. And more specifically, Mads Kruger. Um, Mads Kruger and him brawled afterwards, and it was a good brawl. It was actually a good post-match brawl. They um, they had a lot of pool parts, and Jacob Fatu just wouldn't stop. I mean, it went on for ten minutes. <laughs> so you got like a ten-minute war chamber match, and then ten minutes of fighting afterwards. But I don't know if this means Fatu's going to be gone. Um, if that means he's turning babyface, I think he's a babyface. Okay, <laughs> and I don't know if that means Contra is going to continue. Um, with no, you know, Joseph Samael, I, I, I don't, I have no idea what's happening. Mads Kruger could be a singles wrestler. He doesn't, and at, at the last tapings, he, uh, he had two squash matches to open him and he was all by himself. So I don't know. Maybe, maybe Contra's done. You think Contra's done? I hard to say. I mean, it's, I, I get the idea of turning Fatu babyface. Kruger just hasn't been asked to do a lot um, you know, outside of squash matches. So is he ready to be that main guy? I don't know. And then, like, devari has been there. He's back with WWE. Akira mm-hmm. Kwan really hasn't done a lot. He's just been kind of there as part of Contra. Almost, he's not Sentai Death Squad member, but he's one notch above. Yeah. And then Samael... <laughs> Hasn't really wrestled in a long time, and so I was kind of surprised to see him advertise for this at one point. He's been more of the manager mouthpiece, and he's damn good at it. Mm-hmm. So I think yeah. you would have to add some new people to it and hope that Kruger can carry you know, the in-ring load, being the main guy that, that is the face of this thing. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know what their plan is for Contra. I mean, yeah, it's, that, that I, was- I guess it depends, too. Is Jeff Cobb going to be a regular? Or was this more of a one-off? I mean, he has New Japan commitments, and so it's hard to imagine he's going to be at every MLW taping. Yeah, I, I feel like that's a one-off for him. I, I got that impression. He didn't figure into anything outside of being the surprise. He didn't figure into the finish. He wasn't really spotlighted at all. Um, so I, I don't, I don't know. I, I would think his. I mean, he's, he's getting a pretty nice little push from new Japan, <laughs> the way his G one turned out. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm thinking he's probably going to want to focus on new Japan, but we'll, we'll see. I, I hope he sticks. I mean, it would, it would definitely add something to the MLW 
you know, sort of oeuvre. And he's a great worker. I, I love his. I love his work. Going back to what you said with Mads Kruger, is is he ready to be working on top? Essentially, you know, is he ready to not just lead, quote unquote, lead contra, but is he ready to, you know, be toward the top of the card, be, be an attraction? I'm sure Fatu can, you know, help elevate him a lot. Um, and maybe this leads, you know, and I, we don't have to get into it. If you don't want, but. You know, one of the things that I wrote, it was pretty heavy on, was the interactions with Jacob Fatu, who just, to me, was incredibly impressive with the media before uh, the show on Saturday. And he, Did he take he, a lot he, of pictures? He, <laughs> he, he gave a lot of fist bumps. I'll say that. <laughs> he gave a lot of fist bumps. But he was really big. He said to multiple people that he, uh, you know, he, he's excited for the new year to come. And he was, you know, it kind of felt like he has things coming down the pike that he's, you know, are going to mean a lot. And maybe, I, I don't know his contract. I thought he had signed a long contract with MLW at one point. I, I don't really know what that, what that is. But uh, maybe he's there to help put Kruger over and head out. Who knows? Interesting. And no signs of friction between Holiday and Hammerstone yet? Not yet. Not yet. I, I'm very surprised about that. <laughs> very surprised. But you got to think that's coming. I mean, who, with that, without Jacob Fatu in that mix as a heel, who's Hammerstone supposed to work with? I guess Kruger. I guess. Well, yeah. But he's gonna he's gonna be working with Fatu. True. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't. If there are enough people that you can get through with it, I don't mind the idea that everybody's thinking it's only a matter of time before holiday turns. And the longer you stretch it out, you know, people start to let their guard down going, okay, I guess he's not going to, and bam, then you do it. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that happening. And with the, I mean, they only tape once a month, if that, right? Right. So, so they have the ability to really, really stretch it out. And, you know, then again, maybe, maybe Hammerstone can work with Enzo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd enjoy watching Hammerstone beat the shit out of Enzo. <laughs> <laughs> just thrust him right into the title picture. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. anything else from this that, that I haven't brought up that stand that you wanted to touch on? Uh, I really, uh, like I said, I really enjoyed um, uh, Jacob Fatu. I he was just, I don't know why he just wasn't what I expected. Uh, and he was just impressive as hell. Um, the other thing too, is the opera cup final and uh, Davy Richards, had a real nice moment i thought that was that was that was really really nice uh, that and that was easily the best match of the night easily so, did he cut another one of those roh promos where he spends like five minutes putting over his opponent no he he kind of he did a sentimental thing that was kind of more like it's been a tough road and a tough year and this is an honor that type of thing that's right cool. he did yeah he didn't he didn't say too much about TJP. And then Tankman and uh, Alex Kane, they're definitely going to work together. And I'm about done. We also have new MLW tag champs, I'm sure you know that. Yeah. Um, I'm, and I'm kind of done with Los Parks and 5150. We can move on from that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't. You mentioned not having opponents for Hammerstone. Like, I just assume right, we're going to get 5150 feuding with Myron Reed and. Jordan Oliver, and then they let Oliver go. So if, I mean, it could be as simple as the Von Erichs return. That well, could be. That's true. Or maybe, I mean, hell, 
the Briscoes are going around and around. Yeah. Why can't they? I mean, they could pop in for for a cup of coffee too. Uh, that's what I, it would be nice to see MLW do more of that kind of stuff. I, I know that they do what they can to bring people in. Uh, but, you know, if since all these forbidden doors are open, you could I'm sure the pot is you could you could bring in more people than they bring in. They really could. Well, on that note, we're going to call it a day, everybody. I appreciate everybody taking the time to listen. And uh, Colin, on the way out the door, why don't you let everybody know where they can follow you on social media? That's right. On Twitter, at McG's Mondays, you can follow me. And then um, look for my Monday blog piece on .NET. This week, it'll most likely be about full gear on Saturday. Jake Burnett for his live review of AEW Full Gear coming up on Saturday night. Follow me on Twitter at ProWrestlingNet and you never know what the heck I might tweet from the building on Saturday. Many thanks to Colin McGuire for joining me and thank you all for listening. Stop back on Monday and we'll do it again live on The Boom.